0: Hello and welcome to another Station H podcast for Five Magazine, hosted by me, Will Sumsuch. This is going to be the first of a series of special audio reports from the Brighton Music Conference, which is a music industry conference held on the south coast of England. I've been there for the last two days, enjoying some music industry seminars, networking events, and a fantastic keynote from train spotting author Irvin Welsh. First installment from the conference is a conversation with our old friend Richard Earnshaw and DJ Deeker, Massey Deeker, who runs Strictly Underground Music website and the Deep Beats Hit Parade podcast, as well as doing AR for UM Records. We'd all attended a screening of a documentary film called Slaves to the Rhythm Why We DJ the previous night. Which was a particularly poignant moment because the film focuses on mental health awareness in the music industry and features a discussion about Avicii's situation, pressure, mental health and although it was made before Avicii sadly passed away the news that Avicii had in fact committed suicide came through during the film screening and many people attending knew him personally and were extremely affected so it became a real focus point and a a situation which actually hung over all three days of the conference so we discussed our reaction to that our feelings and our thoughts about mental health awareness in the music industry Followed by a short discussion about piracy. Um, that morning, Massey and I had just attended a seminar hosted by a company who protect audio files from piracy. Who actually suggested using certain pirate sites as an artist in order to build profile around your unsigned music, which I found really quite shocking. In the next episode, I will be playing you an excerpt of Irvin Welsh's incredibly entertaining and insightful keynote speech which may, which for some of you may require an interpreter as his thick Scottish accent has not been diluted over the past few years despite his Hollywood success. So without further ado I'm going to hand you over to myself, Richard Earnshaw and Massey Deeker at the Brighton Music Conference. I am here at the Brighton Music Conference in the quiet area, shhh. Mr Richard Earnshaw, and Massey Deeker from the the, uh, Strictly UM and from the Deep Beats Hit Parade. Yeah, hello. So, Richard, how are you you feeling about the BMC this year?
1: Uh, I can, I guess, a genuine sense of... um, there's a, you know there's more people sort of buzzing around BMC this year. I know it takes a little while for these things to get going, and you, know, you can't compare to things like ADE because ADE's been going for a long time. Um, but I, I, you know it's, it's, there are more familiar faces. There's more people talking about stuff. You know there's there are more parties happening, um, and I think I think they um, it's it's progressive. I think the traction good for them this year. I think next year will be a little bit better. I think they can probably. Make more of it. I think they need to pump their tyres up a bit more. You know, you know. So pe- people in Brighton don't know that it's going on. Only I mean, people within the music, music industry know it's going on. But it's like if, if people in Brighton were like, "Oh, what are these flags doing around BMC?" You know, and there's becomes a greater buzz, and then it kind of encourages people who are outside of the industry to be interested in what the industry can offer. You know, as a certainly from an entertainment perspective. Anyway. So yeah, I think all is well today Mm, and yesterday and the day before and probably tomorrow. (laughs) Yes, you arrived
0: and you you enjoyed your own pre-party. Yeah, we had had our
1: own pre-party on Wednesday where we just simply came down and went to the pub um, in Brighton. Uh, And uh, yeah, we just rallied a few people around, put a few phone calls and we had quite a, um, a gathering at one point and talking about various bits and pieces that um, were probably replicated in some of the panels, but that was yesterday and today.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I had messages from you on Wednesday and I I was panicking because I thought I'd missed the first day of the conference. (laughs) No, no, we just
1: created our own prelude to the conference. (laughs) I know, and I'm
0: really very sad that I missed it. So um, for those of those listeners who don't know Brighton, it's probably I, I I get the sense that for for people perhaps coming from America, this is actually quite a, a viable alternative to an ADE or a, an Ibiza Music Summit in terms of it's a very small city and it's a very small space, so actually you can meet a lot of people and talk to a lot of people in a very short space of time.
1: You can, um, but I would say that certainly for international appeal. It's, it's the parties, it's the, the DJing and the performance side of it that is more appealing to people coming in to a conference. All very well for you to get on the train or me to get on the train for half an hour or an hour, that's fine, but when you're talking about flying in from wherever, you know, again, not to compare with um, ADE, but you know, the infrastructure of ADE and Amsterdam itself is um, it's, you know, it's it's pretty nailed when it comes to nightlife. Mm. You know, all the clubs are... Everything's very well organised. You know, it's... Um, there needs to be more of that, you know, for, to kind of, for it to appeal to, you know, Kerry Chandlers and Brian Tapperts and, yeah. you know, your Masters of Work to kind of go, yeah, 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 we're going to make BMC a regular annual thing.
0: These things are always interesting, watching how they evolve, because I think the first couple of years they had quite a strong focus on evening parties and then they, they kind of really pulled back from that and this year is maybe somewhere in between. Um, but it's always interesting and I think when an event is this size you know, they do listen so it's, it's kind of nice even though it's, you know, for us it's on our doorsteps so and we can come and, and visit but it is nice to see it evolve and the fact that they do seem to be listening to the feedback after
1: every, every year's event. Mm. I think they could definitely do with um, somehow advertising that willingness to get feedback from people. You know, I know that some of us obviously know some of the people that are closely connected or organize these things um, But there's a lot of people here that aren't and I think it there should be a way to Kind of you know, let's let's make this bigger and better every single year How can we make it happen? So in actual fact yesterday we drove in. I was driving in down towards the seafront and I was like Why am I not seeing? lots of little BMC yeah. signs or little flags, yeah, hey, yeah. and Promenade, all that kind of thing, yeah. you know, because I think it's important for the city yeah. to feel proud of what it does as well. And if they genuinely want this to grow into, into a really internationally attractive um, sort of music conference, i mean, use the word conference very loosely, um, but they, they need to, I think, you know, Brighton needs to get behind it as well as the industry itself. I agree. Yeah, I, you know, I, was, think,
2: I was surprised not to see more, uh, let's see, advertising or you know, yeah. uh, the city actually talking about it. Or That's yeah. well, important.
1: I mean, I mean, ADE. It's not all the venues in Amsterdam mm. are ADE venues. You know, they no. have to be either selected or approved um, to be able to use the branding. But you know, there's enough places in Brighton. if you know, all it takes is for. I don't know, half a dozen guys, girls to go around in the, the months leading up to it, see what venues are knocking around and just say, that, do you want to be part of this? Yeah. You know, basically would give you the brand that you do this, and then either bring your promoters in or if you've got in-house um, programming or whatever, to become part of it, you know. It's like putting lots and lots of little loudspeakers everywhere, all singing the same thing. Um, but it is early days. And, it's, I'm sure that's, I'm sure a lot of the guys here that, that run BMC probably do go to things like ADE and come away with all these vast ideas and, and stuff. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, but it's so well established. Yeah. You know, it's 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 not just a music industry thing anymore. You know, you think about I know people that will have flown into, go to white culture events. They've just, they're just punters. They just love the brand or the music that we're playing. And they come to ADE to come to the parties. Now, there's
0: a difference. ADE has evolved in a way that years ago Miami did, where it became something on the calendar for people who like to party and yeah, listen to, to totally. dance music as well as people who are in the industry or trying to break into the industry. Whereas I think here you've definitely seen people who who are aspiring artists, who are aspiring label owners, and DJs, and also probably more representatives from the industry this time, which is which is good to see, it's good to see a lot of, you know, people from a lot of the the larger companies and larger labels supporting it.
1: Yeah. But it's all, it's, it's growth, isn't it? I mean, the more industry people that you've got coming, the more industry people that haven't been yet will think, maybe next year we'll go. And then when they start to go, and then you've got this kind of catalyst and this domino effect, and then more and more people start thinking the same. And then it becomes an attractive place to for promoters and, and for the venues as well, to go, well, you know, all these guys are now coming over, you know, we should, we should get them in. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, there's, and then that then fuels the attendance by people that really couldn't give a monkeys about BMC, mm-hmm. they just love to party and they love you know, the music that's being represented. So it does take time, it's not something you can just, you know, read on the back of a cereal box, you know, enter here, you know, and, and it all works itself out, it does take a long time.
0: So let's, let's, let's dial into a couple of specific things. I think the one thing that we all attended last night, which was the, uh, the screening of the film, uh, Why We DJ? Is that the correct title? Why We DJ? Yeah. Yeah, so it's a documentary film, <coughs> exploring, I suppose, the pressures on particularly some high level DJs and artists. And it kind of, um, it, it, it takes some case studies. I mean, Eric Murillo being a very, uh, very well known one, who really struggled with, with addiction and, you know, bless him, spoke out about it and I feel like he was maybe the first of the really big big dogs to do that on a, a, an event like this, actually, I think, mm. in Ibiza he really talked about it. Um, made much more impactful that um, it was made before the, the, the death of Avicii and featured um, the pressures that he was under, particularly in terms of um, feeling forced to tour and work when he didn't he, he wasn't okay. Um, I'd just like to get both of your impressions on, on that.
1: It's, it, it's quite a diff- difficult one to quantify, because you've got so many um, good and bad influences, even at, even at a level that some of us are at, you know, which is definitely not the private jet constantly touring four or five times a week level, but still, you've got management. You know, they they provide for their families on the 20% or 15% that they make off people going out and doing the touring. So there's a pressure there. They want to feed their children. So in order for that to happen, I need you out on the road, earning me money. No matter what. Yeah. No matter what. So you've got that, and then of course they're getting paid Vast amounts of money as well, and you know, you name me one human being that doesn't start to rake in that amount of cash and think, Oh, do you know what? I'll do this for a year or two, then I'll pay my mortgage off and retire and have a very nice life. But very often, by the time they get to a year or two, the damage is done, it's too late, and it's too late. And then you've got as well the opinions of the people that you're out there performing to. You know, you're providing them with this elation and this incredible sense of happiness Mm. and escapism on the dance floor. Um, And they look at you and go, well, you live a charmed life, don't you? You get to do this all the time and get paid loads of money. They don't see that moment when you come off stage, you grab your bag and you go back to your hotel room by yourself. And then you sit in this dreary room and think, well, that's a come down, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. You know?
2: we, we were talking about this um, last night, too, after the movie. And you know, it is more isolating than it looks. It's not that glamorous. It's not at That's all. No. Like,
1: I mean, obviously there are there are highs and there are lows. Yeah. But I think it's it's you know when you when the support of the public in a way, you know, we all talk about it, it's important to, to speak out about things and to make things more publicly acceptable and better understood across the board. And it is very hard for people who are seen as, you know, they're put on this pedestal, for the public to kind of feel, I feel like, you know, to understand what they're going through, because they're just going, do you want my job, nine to five in an office? Have it any time you like, I'll do yours. And it's like, yeah, (laughs) you can take it, thanks. You know, you do it for a month and then let me know how you get on. You know, it takes a certain type of person, a certain type of character. I mean, I, I've never um, become embroiled in drugs or anything like that. You know, for me, it's like, give me a couple of cold beers and I'm happy. So you know, there's the, my, the extremes of, of the way that I deal with it all is perhaps less extreme um, because I'm not artificially escalating my sense of happiness and therefore I'm not suffering the incredibly um, um, overemphasized lows at the end of it all but a lot of people do, and I think there needs to be a, a greater sense of um, empathy, to be honest, by the people that you are entertaining. I think they need to understand that actually it's bloody artwork, and it does take its toll, and it has, you know, it has you know, taken way too many people way before their time um, and it's just this vicious circle. You know, and know, we all we could all, we're all either involved in it or we see it from the outside.
2: Uh, yeah, I think, I think from, it's, it's my first um, time at this conference, so, so I, I can't compare it with the previous conference, but I think from a conference point of view it, it was great. First of all, to see a couple of seminars about mental health. In, in the music industry and the, yeah, the movie the last night, which is just,
1: you know, finally someone
2: is talking about the elephant in the room. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, there should be more awareness about it. And it is
1: a very taboo subject, but I think yeah. that the more people, in a, in a funny and very tragic kind of way, it is the tragic loss of people like Vinci very recently that then the positive outcome is that people are like, do you know what? We need to just be a little bit more open. The industry needs to support it more, and be aware that it—it's a very real thing. It's yeah. happening oh, yeah. every day. Mm-hmm. You know, no one is immune. No, it's nobody's the biggest, immune for it.
0: Biggest killer of men under under forty. Yeah, yeah. And, and the the thing, as I think the thing that was great was we all after the the screening, and it was particularly poignant because the news came through during the screening, and and bless the. Mark Lawrence, who's one of the filmmakers, who speaks a lot during the film and speaks about what, what was going on with Avicii at the time, um, he got the news that it was that it had been suicide during yeah. the screening of the film and he was quite inconsolable, you know, understandably. But the one thing that happened was at the end of it we all had a, quite a long and involved conversation about our personal experiences and I think we've all... You know, we've all experienced suicide, and, and not just you know family and friends, but but we've all experienced it within the music industry, within our work environment,
1: and um, very much so. I'm not sure that that's. Well, I lost but a very I... close friend of mine um, who committed suicide in 2009, and he was the guy that I kind of started my journey in music with, with Fusion Group Orchestra. But you don't see you don't see the signs until it's too late. And then know. when I got the phone call that he'd um, taken his own life, I remember sitting there thinking, "How did I not notice this happening over the last twenty-four years, or twenty-five years I'd known him?" And you kind of kick yourself in a way. Mm-hmm. But again, that's again that's not through a lack of me not understanding it, or it's just that the signs can very often be. Um, disguised.
0: Oh, absolutely, mm. absolutely. And at points, absolutely. we all display certain signs. You know, I think a lot of them. You know, when you look back with hindsight, they take on that very ominous yep. feel, and it takes a long time for those left behind to forgive themselves. I think after a very much a, so a, a, a situation like that.
1: And we, we, we've all got sort of, you know, we've all got an anchor somewhere. I mean, mine are definitely my children. Mm-hmm. You know, when I'm out, I'm travelling around, and um, you're up all night for days on end. Sometimes and you going from one airport to another. Always there, I know that when I'm walking through my front door, it's gonna be, daddy, daddy, let's play some Lego, you know, let's go out on the bike, let's play football in the garden. And it is just such a a beautifully sobering thing to know that, you know, they don't see you like everyone else sees you, you're just daddy. And it just helps you kind of rationalize what it is that you are doing, who you're doing it for. You know, for me, I do it because I love the buzz of performing music, but I do it so I can feed my children. Um, and, I, and I do it because people out there enjoy the music that I perform and or that I make. And if you keep all of that n- nicely packaged up without too many interferences from other things like drugs, it's much more manageable, for me anyway. And my experience and my methods of managing it are very, very different to anyone else's, because we all our personalities are all different and we all cope with things a bit differently, you know. You give two people five pints of Stella, one of them is probably going to laugh the heads off probably wet themselves and then fall asleep and wake up and think, wow, well, that was a great night. And the other one might get a bit violent and punch someone yeah, in the face yeah, on the way to get in the right. You know, we've all got our own ways of, um, our own coping mechanisms. Um, but I think often it's, you know, it, it's, your, it's your nearest and dearest around you that they help, they help you focus on stuff. You know, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah knowing, you, that, knowing that you've got a mate that just says, Rich, you've had one beer too many tonight. It's like grounding, And you right? go, yeah. no, you're yeah. right, actually, I should probably just
0: stop now. Keeping a tight circle yeah. and having something
1: outside. Um, and not being afraid to say.
0: Yeah, because that's
2: the other thing, because often there are not really signs. Mm. So unless someone comes to you and speak up, speak up, speaks up, sorry, and, you know, it's open about what it's going through and, you know, I'm having mental issues, I'm, mm. I'm depressed or I've got anxiety. From the outside,
0: it's often really difficult to understand what's going on. Yeah and in the dance music industry particularly we're in these environments which are very free and it takes a huge amount of fortitude to walk into those situations in a business like way i've got a job to do and not become part of the party mm-hmm. and and often when people you know like you say it can just look like oh, they've just had one too many drinks or they've done one too many lines and 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 it takes you know it, it yeah. takes it's it's more complex than that to kind of to keep a check on yourself and keep a check on those around mm. you and just kind of make sure no one's going down
1: and there's yeah. you know the i, I personally feel that like the word depressed mm. is far too flippantly tossed around mm. i mm. think um you know people go oh i'm so depressed and you go are you really like do you really understand what well, depression that is yeah. or are you just having a bit of a shit day yeah yeah you know, we all have a shit off. day, but yeah. I don't go and say to people oh, I'm, I'm really depressed because yeah. I have a little bit more of an understanding through my own experiences of what depression actually is. Um, so, you know, for me to ever be in a position to use that word, then people around me will know Rich is not in a good place mm. for whatever reason. Could be anything. Could be delayed grief from losing a parent, or it could be any anything at all. It yeah. Doesn't necessarily have to be music. Um, but of course, if you if you do have other issues, other personal issues, you know, it can be exacerbated by being on the road for four days a week, drinking, partying, playing music if all hours. Feeling happy
0: and well adjusted, it exactly. can do that. If you if you know, if, you're, if you've got a, a tough a tough schedule and perhaps you don't have
1: time to kind of think about yourself because you're constantly being thought about or constantly Mm -hmm. thinking I've got to get off this plane and be all like yeah let's party you Mm -hmm. know
0: and a lot of these you know the discussion one of the discussions at the seminar which I thought was brilliant yesterday about um, mental health was they really brought up social media and they really talked about you know, the issues where you're watching everyone else kind of living their best life online. And it it invites comparison and it invites, and it also invites this kind of norm, this standard where, you know, you have to put these upbeat posts up on a regular basis. And if you're suffering from depression or you're anxious or you're just having a day where you can't get out of bed and you're tired.
1: Yeah.
0: um, I think one of the, one of the artists on the panel discussed a kind of coping strategy she's got, which is having a folder of stuff that she can post on her, on a dark days and things like that, but again, it's, it's, this, it's understanding that your health but and your, your life and yourself is so much more important than, oh, than yes. pleasing some imaginary fan base yes. that may yeah. or may not care.
1: Well, but a lot of them don't really yeah. care, no, to they
2: be don't honest, don't. it's... Um. They don't wanna see you posting about your anxiety problems or negative, or negative no. posts. They perhaps, just want... Perhaps that
0: would actually you know be I mean? well received, though, but everyone's too scared to, to be real. On, in, in the online world, everyone well, sticks to very safe and upbeat and but then,
1: but then you've got people that will kind of <laughs> um, come back on that and go, "Are oh, they just attention-seeking?" Yeah. Huh. So you can't bloody win, basically. No. Really. Not I really. mean, social media, I think, has to be treated with great care. Mm. Um, and it's a lot easier for, say, myself, to understand the the consequences of using social media because when I started making music, there was no social media. There was the, what dri- the driving force and the passion behind. Everything was music. It wasn't popularity. Popularity came because of music. Whereas now it's like, um, you know, the music will come because of popularity. If I'm if I'm popular and people think I'm amazing, I'll get a gig. Or so and so will sign my record. You know, oh, this is great. This is a great record. How many followers you got? I don't know if that's enough. You know, and I'm like, it's 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 always been about the music for us, Um, not you know seeking affirmation or wanting to be popular on Twitter or Instagram or whatever like that. Um, so I think there's a lot to be learned in how to manage social media, what it's used for, and um, what you see and how to um, you know kind of absorb what you're seeing, what like, you say. People that either moan about being depressed or oh, I'm having a crap day or oh, I'm feeling ill. Well why the fuck are you writing that on, on social media? Just go to bed. Take and, some, take some and have a and real have sleep.
0: Don't use the echo chamber for that. Have a, as we said, have a tight circle, whether yeah. it's friends or family, and, and something real around you that you can touch and feel, exactly. and, and keep that in the forefront. You yeah. know, whether it's your anchor might be your children, but I think there was something that that really resonated with me a few years ago. It was a, a discussion after. Um, I think it was when the Ravens were playing in the Super Bowl and there was a lot of the young rookies were about in the tunnel about to go out for the biggest game of their lives and everyone was incredibly tense and one of the the veteran players kind of turned around to the tunnel and was like remember it's football it doesn't matter that's what's beautiful about it. Just you know everyone kind of went out and had a good time yeah, and that's yeah, yeah. ultimately you know you need to be okay you, yeah, need to, yeah. you need to put your health and your happiness first and yeah absolutely you know, it doesn't matter and that's the beautiful thing about what we do yeah so on a more positive uh, discussion one seminar that we were just in and I'm really interested to get your take on this because every year we have these every year we have these piracy seminars um, and these companies who kind of protect music files from piracy tend to speak and talk about what's happening and we were just at one for the first time I've ever seen where someone suggested that you could to, to young emerging artists that they could use some of these all you can eat DJ download sites which you can download unlimited music for a monthly fee suggested using this to your advantage in order to, to um, get some attention and get That's some a chart placement Really interested in your take on that because it really surprised me that at a conference like this that would
1: be suggested. You mean would I provide music to be? You know, would like you provide ad- content? Would for you these adv- sorts advise of that?
0: that to a young artist? I mean, I can see the point of view of, of getting more exposure, but I think there's also a huge element <clears> of ethics there. If we su- if we support these sites which are charging money and pirating music, um, well,
1: I mean, obviously you know, anything that is even remotely not legal is an instant slap on the face from me and the people mm-hmm. I work with. I don't know. I mean, it's, you know, it is, I, I know lots of kids that have, you know, that, that send me DJ mixes a lot of the time. Um, and, and it's not a technical thing now. You know, it's not like, oh, can you mix with two, three, or four decks of vinyl? Mm. It's now really important with the programming mm. and your music selection. And you know, I, I, get, I get some DJ mixes, and I think, all you've done is just, you've bought the top 10 off this platform or that platform, mm. regurgitated it in a slightly different order, and gone, I'm a DJ. And it's like, well, my eight-year-old child could put music into Ableton and beat match it. It's like, where's, where's the passion for finding those records that you think, well, no one else is gonna play this? Or getting in the studio and putting your own edits together. Um, or obviously, you know, when, if, if you're a, yourself an artist, you know, you've got your own music to play. And people say to me, Rich, that record you played, what is it? And you go, oh, that's just just a little version of this and that and the other that I did. And they're going, can I have it? And I'm like, no, because that's the whole point of me performing. because I've got stuff to perform that no one else has got. That's my USP. Um, So in terms of all-you-can-eat websites, I wouldn't advise it, no. I, I absolutely wouldn't you need to put some value on your, um, on, on your art but I w- it's, it, it's not a, it's, it's not a question of I wouldn't advise it because you know I, I, I don't want you to go onto a website that may or may not be legitimately paying its its way to the content providers it's more about give yourself you know a little bit more respect as someone that is selecting music and maybe is an aspiring DJ um, spend time understanding the music You know, looking for those little slabs of vinyl or those MP3s, you think, you know, these work really well. You know, don't, you know, don't follow what everyone else is doing. You get sort of swept along with the pace of how everything else is going. You you might get a few gigs, and then you can pop on your Instagram how amazing you are, and, you know, that's great, but really, that's not a a long-term investment into your career, as far as I'm concerned, you know. May keep it slow, organic, progressive. Everything else will sort itself out as you, as you kind of um, cement your purpose and your place within a beautiful industry. That's my opinion. They get
2: you. I think, time, they often, if you are, if you're trying to get noticed, then you know you're just tying up those kind of websites. They get you with the with the idea of promoting yourself, to, you know, to reach a wider audience, which is completely the wrong approach. Um, but that's how they, they can get you. And you know, the, the website we're talking about, obviously, it's it's not legal because it's not licensed. So the artists they're not they're not getting paid for, for all the music that is on the website. Um, but yeah, they were saying, yeah, yeah, and either or, just get on the website, put your music there, because if you get in the chart, someone will notice you, and you know, you get you get. Um, published and it's, it's, it's nonsense. This is coming from um, a company yeah. that does um, piracy prevention yeah. and, and I think that, yeah, it was a bit, yeah. Yeah. Was a bit weird. It's a
0: bit like being at a wildlife summit that was advocating using a company that's tearing down rainforests. Kind of about, seemed, yeah. It seemed yeah. very odd. Anyway, I know you're a very busy man. I should, yes, I, I
1: actually have to go and do the school run. There <laughs> you go, go, <laughs> go, go, <laughs> the go, go that's up. the other side of it. And you know, Yes, yeah. we will,
0: uh, we'll get back to you very soon. Huge thanks to Richard Earnshaw for leaving his children standing at the school gates in order to speak to us for that a little bit longer. We'll be hearing more from Masi Deka in a future episode of Station H. And on the next episode, I will be playing you a snippet of Irvin Welsh's brilliant keynote from the Brighton Music Conference. You can find previous episodes of Station H at 5chicago.com. You can also find Richard Earnshaw's brilliant iCulture podcast on the usual streaming sites and on Apple Podcasts. And to hear Massey Deeker's brilliant Deep Beats Hit Parade podcast, simply go to strictlyundergroundmusic.com. Thanks for listening. Until next time, I've been Will Sumsuch.